0: Hey, TNA producer Bella here. If you'd like to reach out to the show, you can reach us via email at tensandaces21 at gmail.com. That's tens and aces, the number 21 at gmail.com. We also have a Facebook page, simply called the Tens and Aces Podcast, if you're still on Facebook anyway, or you can catch us on the web by going to anchor.fm ta21 one of these losers in Las Vegas who keeps thinking he's gonna come up with a way to win
1: at blackjack. Are you ready for some TNA? Welcome to TNA, the Tens and Aces podcast. A podcast with true-to-life stories and experiences from advantaged players in the game of blackjack. From pros crushing it and making a living counting cards, to newer players who are just making their way through all the ups and downs of what can be, at times, both an equally frustrating and beautiful game of AP Blackjack. Is this the kind of thing you want to hear? Well, listen up, because we're about to give you some TNA. Here's your host, Mike AP. And welcome to the show today. As the man just said, I'm your host of this transmission of our experiment in imaginary radio that we like to call TNA, the Tens and Aces podcast. So if this is the kind of thing you want to hear, well, listen up, because we're about to give you some TNA. So with me today is the host of my favorite Blackjack podcast, the Blackjack Apprenticeship podcast, the former co-runner of the infamous Blackjack team, The Church Team, whose exploits were documented in the documentary, Holy Rollers, the author of the book, The 21st Century Card Counter, as well as the proprietor of blackjackapprenticeship.com. And not to mention, just an all-around good guy, Colin Jones. Hey, how's it going, man? It's going well, how are you doing? Pretty good, good to have you on. So everybody pretty much knows who you are, what you're about, but how about you tell everybody, like how, how did you get into blackjack? I was volunteering at, at a
0: Bible camp, it's actually where I met my wife, and the same summer I met my wife up there, Ben, who I had known since high school a little bit, he was also volunteering and he's like, hey, uh, Colin, you're a math guy, check out this book I'm reading, and it was called Professional Blackjack by Stanford Wong, and he said that he was trying to teach teach himself how to count cards and you know loan me the book and he wanted someone to get into it with him and since i had just finished college didn't really have a lot going on i was working at red robin i ended up you know trying to learn the stuff too and kind of fast forward a year later uh, got married and I was substitute teaching like maybe two days a week and I was like I need something to do and I didn't I didn't know what else to do with a math degree you can teach or you can go back to school that's right. pretty much it and so I was like right. well let me try this card counting thing and and you know shortly later ben and I teamed up and uh, that was working and then we added a third friend and met a fourth local AP and the four of us won about half a million over a couple of years just grinding ourselves and and then that turned into Ben and I splitting off and starting the church team, which was called the church team, because friends from our churches
1: are like, hey, you know, train us, send <laughs> us out. And the kind of bigger team thing happened. For any AP selling, the idea of being an AP to their family and their friends <laughs> is a hard thing. But somebody coming from a religious background, that's probably it's probably doubly or tri- multitudes more difficult. Yeah, yeah, I mean,
0: you know, kind of American evangelical culture is. is is pretty weird um, yeah. and there's there's kind of I don't know there, some people ask good questions a lot of people they just kind of they're they're inside the box they're not really willing to question anything and gambling is just what you know it's like you know don't don't drink don't chew don't go with those who do somehow gambling's thrown in there and so yeah I mean my my parents were missionaries at the time they were not thrilled about it my father-in-law kind of you know said he wouldn't talk to me again till I spoke to three older men in my church and mm-hmm. but then he ended up becoming the biggest investor in in our team a couple of <laughs> years later. So uh, we won him over. My parents, you know, they kind of came around. Yeah. So that's always been a weird part of my story is like kind of this double life. Like, the AP world and and you know everybody gets it and then there's like the church world or the you know mm-hmm. Christian world and and those people some people totally get it other people it's like they can never get past it like why would you do that uh, I I can't trust you it really yeah. comes down to if, if someone's willing to think about it like critical thinking you know and right. and that's even some of the stuff when you know some of the early not early but the the first videos that we want to like in our video course is about understanding EV understanding investing versus gambling, those kinds of things. And those ideas were the things that we, when we were trying to get into it, it's like, what is card counting? You know, and, and to people that aren't willing to think about it, it's like, oh, you're in casinos, therefore it's gambling, therefore it's dumb. And those same people are like playing the stock market or yeah, you know, right. trying to flip houses. And it's like, What's the difference here? You know, you're saying you have the edge and you're putting money at risk. Well, that's exactly what we're doing. Except we can right. calculate our risk. You can't, you know. Right. Um, people that can think critically about it, they're like, Oh, okay, I get what it is. I remember this one pastor when you know when my father in law was like, You gotta talk to three people before I speak to you again. I met with this pastor. He was actually Ben's pastor. And mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, what, you know, what do you think about this? And he was like, oh, Martin Luther, like the father of the reformation says all work is sacred. There's no such thing as like, you know, good work and bad work. Obviously mm-hmm. there's some things that are just immoral, but it's like, oh, if this is your work, you know, like good for you go and do it. And it was like, there you go. This guy thought through it, you know, sees what, what we're doing as work, not as like cheating or whatever, but some people they're just like not willing to think critically. Did you ask that uh, pastor to call your father-in-law up? (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, my father-in-law, it it was, it was totally what I'm talking about where it, you could tell it just, didn't sit right with him, you know, being raised in a really conservative church background. It's like, what you're going into casinos and you're playing games of chance and you're making money. This just feels wrong. And I remember his biggest argument is that I wasn't working harder for the money that like little did he know. I, <laughs> well, like to him, it was like, it's just not fair that you're 20, whatever, three years old. And you're making maybe at the time I'm making like 50 or hundred bucks an hour, um, mm-hmm. EV, you know, it's like, no, that's just not, that's just not right. Um, but if I would have gotten hired on as, I don't know, an engineering assistant or something. And they're like, oh, we're going to pay you 50 or hundred bucks an hour. He wouldn't have had that same problem. But to him, it just felt you know too e- too easy or whatever yeah it's not easy though right yeah
1: it's, especially in the beginning after the very beginnings of the church team where did you guys go from there
0: yeah i mean by, by the time we did the church team ben and i had played um gosh we we'd played for 4 years um with maybe a 6 month break when we tried to do real estate poorly um so so we had played lots like i mean probably combined or maybe five thousand hours. So we knew we knew blackjack. We played a ton of it, and you know we'd trained people because we would train people to spot for us or to. There were promotional games around town where you could basically flat bet and beat it. Um, oh, but yeah. we'd teach people to count and flat bet until it got got to a certain negative count. And so we trained some people, and and then you know people a couple of people approached us when they heard that we were taking it more seriously, and and the idea was well we could train them because we've played a lot, we've gotten backed off a lot. Maybe we don't have to be the ones doing all the you know, grinding, it started with one guy, Garrett, and then it turned into two and four and six. And, you know, at one point there was like 30 people, maybe half of them training, half of them playing. And we were, I just did a video about this on YouTube that we we were like, just winning like crazy. We're up maybe close to a million and a half in two years. And then we started losing. And that's when, you know, losing bad, we're down, you know, almost half a million dollars uh, from our previous all-time high. And that's where we realized, okay, we're trying to add people on the team, their mom and, you know, like someone on the team, their friend's friend. And and it was like, this is not like, you know, this isn't Starbucks where it's like, oh yeah, we'll just watch you do your job and make sure you're doing everything right. We're sending people out with six figures, you know, we realized Mm -hmm. we needed a certain kind of person that was really dedicated to the craft and could put in the hours and and, you know, like more isn't always better. And so we paired the team down. We basically like Anybody that was training, we put the brake, pump the brakes so and we fired about half the team. And from then on, the team stayed in the like probably six to 10 people range. Um, and, you know, we did fine. We, we won another. I mean, in the end, we won 3.2 million. The team kind of, I would say, ran its course over those mm-hmm. five years where players, you know, it, we'd send someone out. And if they just had a Washington driver's license, the casinos would be like, oh, they must be part of the Washington count team, which, which is what like the databases called us. So it was like right. getting harder for, for, for the stakes that we put, you know, if someone shows up and they're betting up to two spots of two or $3,000, it's like, oh, they're part of the Washington count team. So it was harder wow. for the same people to, to, to get in the kind of hours that we were trying to get. It was either like keep finding fresh blood year after year, or mm-hmm. say it ran its course. And, and in the height of the team, I want to say two thousand beginning of 2008, me, Ben and third guy, John started blackjack apprenticeship. I started like, you know, I was playing with actually long story short, John and Ben both were part of another startup that like took off big time. And I started pouring my time into blackjack apprenticeship and basically bought them out. And I was like having more fun tinkering with, you know, how to teach people online and, you know, build, build tools that I wished we had had. And, and so this combination of the team was, you know, still getting in some hours, but my head wasn't really in the game and, you know, the players weren't getting in the hours that they could before. And I didn't want to just like keep finding new people. So pulled the plug. Uh Well, and there's this documentary that yeah. came out that kind of featured us. And so I was like, well, now there's faces to uh, the people getting in the hours. And
1: that was kind of the end of the church team. We all mm-hmm. ended on good terms, but um that was that. I, I was curious about when I was watching that how much foresight and, and cause you guys had to think of, okay, if we put this documentary out here with our faces yeah. in it, um, completely just documenting what we're doing here, it's going to dry our game up dramatically. Yeah. What was yeah. the black going in there? Was it just ready I mean, to I, end? Or? No,
0: I, I it was, it was just like youthful bravado. You know, we, the documentary started at the height of the team and my buddy, Brian, he's like my oldest friend. He and his wife were playing on the team while he's trying to make it as a documentarian in, in mm-hmm. Hollywood. And he's like, Hey, could we do this? And, and, you know, we just couldn't lose at the time. And so we're like, sure, we'll do, you know, 1.5 million in a year and a half. It's like, Oh, by the time this thing comes out, we're all going to be millionaires and you know, who cares? Um, But, but then, you know, yeah, the team continued and it was, it was profitable, but not, not like the first, you know, two years, and Brian's like, "Hey, I want to put this thing out, you know. Like, I've been working on it for whatever it was, four years, and I need to mm-hmm. publish this." And and it was like, you know, the team is kind of, it's going to be ending soon anyway, and and so we're like, "Yeah, go ahead." And and so you know, the timing was just kind of like uh, how it how it worked out. But there there <laughs> there, a lot of the decisions we made weren't with a lot of foresight. You know, it was like, yeah. sure, let's let's give it a try. And we'll see what happens. Same with blackjack
1: apprenticeship, you know,
0: we're like putting our faces on the internet and I'm like, is this a good idea? But right. you know, we just kind of went for it. It like, well, we'll figure it out.
1: So that kind of speaks to what your father-in-law was getting at. Hell, it just came too easy for you. So maybe that <laughs> with a uh, with youthful bravado and youthful yeah. ignorance, uh, cause it I was just curious about that how much foresight or how much like hmm yeah you guys are just heck with it let's go for it it's kind of cool to have a movie made about what you're doing too so you know yeah it sounded fun and exciting I think when you're in your 20s
0: there's a lot of things you're like just go for it you know Um, and I can't say I have a a ton of regrets
1: but I, I think if I did a lot of those things over there would have been you know, a little, a little bit more care put into it. It also gave you a little notoriety from that in the community. So that kind of probably springboarded BGA just a little it, bit. Yeah,
0: it, it definitely helped, you know, it was like good and bad. It's like good press, bad press, you know, Um to, but, uh but yeah, it was helpful to, I think, you know, uh, say, okay, these guys, should know because before then we we're doing blackjack apprenticeship, but we never even mentioned we we're running a team or anything. It was just like two card counter guys talking. Um, so then it was like, Oh, the guys that have that documentary about them or the guys that ran that team, uh, that definitely helped. Yeah, for sure. I, I'd imagine so.
1: Now's a good time to take a quick commercial break. We'll be right back.
0: Hey guys, this is Colin from blackjackapprenticeship.com. And if you're serious about card counting, I'd encourage you to check out the Blackjack Apprenticeship membership. It has the training tools you'll need to beat the game, like our comprehensive video course and our training suite, so you can learn each skill and virtually test yourself before ever stepping foot in a casino. It also includes the tools you'll need to succeed like our pro betting software, casino database, results tracking software and access to a community of like-minded advanced players to network with in our members forum and chat room software. You can find out more at blackjackapprenticeship.com.
1: What is Budweiser? It's bright. The look of perfection. It's crisp with ideal flavor. It's clean for a great finish. It's pure made with the finest all-natural ingredients. It's the smooth, flavorful result of beechwood aging. Bright, crisp, clean, pure. This is Budweiser. This is beer.
0: If you'd like to reach out to the show, you can reach us on our website at 10 you can text us or leave us a voicemail at area code 518-289-0478. That's 518-289-0478. And if you still haven't gotten enough TNA, a you can email us at 10 21 at gmail.com. That's tensanesis the number 21, at gmail.com.
1: And now back to the show. So I get on the Discord sometimes, the Rimo's uh-huh. Discord. Yeah, I don't know. Have you been on there much?
0: Oh, you know, not not much. I mean, Rimo and I are friends, and so you know, I have a a username there. But I, I mean, I'll I'll forget about it for several months, and then and then you know, someone's like. I had one where like someone that, that I don't want to miss messages from, you know, had been trying to reach me and I go on there. I'm like, Oh shoot, I've got a few missed messages or, and then I'll see it, you know, some comments and there's
1: some, uh, people that aren't super assuming the best about me, but you know, right. That's exactly what I'm getting at here. Cause okay. I'm sure you know this, the best way to handle a troll and they're just trolls looking for an argument is just to ignore them. But sometimes man, (laughs) I I got to stand up for you as you know. The, oh, thank you. I guess my question is, what do you say to people who like question your that you're just trying to, you know, you're just some kind of scheme to rip people off, like, why don't you play and all that kind of thing? I kind of know your yeah. answer sort of, but
0: Well, it it's, it's it's tough. There there's a saying that if you defend yourself, you come across sounding defensive, like mm-hmm. you have something. So, it's like I think I just have to ask the question, do I even bother? Because if I'm going around trying to defend myself, I could just sound extra defensive, you know. Um, but I don't know. I'd rather other people, you know, speak for me. Um it's it's tough. Like I had someone on Reddit. Um, this was probably one of the last times I ever because I used to occasionally go on the blackjack subreddit just to try to help, you know? Just yeah, out we, of first, curio- we connected yeah, that's, on there. That's where we yeah. connected. It was just out of curiosity. I would go on there maybe like once a week and chime in. And then some guy was like, someone was asking about variance or something. And I thought it'd be helpful. I posted my own career graph. And then some guys like, this is clearly made up. No one has, you know, this little variance. It's like, what do, what do I say? Like, you know, nope, it's not made up. It's real. But you know, to him, it's not, it's, it's not going to matter. Um, you mm-hmm. know, hopefully I think really the best, if, if you have some integrity, then other people will sp- speak well of you. I don't know You know, I could ask Rymo next time I see him why he doesn't, you know, chime in for me here or there. But he uh, he does, he does a little bit. Oh, well, that's nice. That's nice. I mean, you know, James Grossstein has had like multiple blog posts, kind of like defending me, which because I I don't really spend energy being in those sites where people are just gonna, you know, make crap up about me. It's like, whoa, I didn't, I didn't know there was so much need, but I think it is. There's, yeah, a lot of, and what I think it tends to be is a small group of very loud. Trolls. It's not. That's at least I tell myself that. Maybe it's a you're, you're right. crowd of trolls. But I like to imagine it's a small group because some of them I know they're the same people that I had to. I think I've booted three people from the BJ forum in thirteen years. But they're some of the same people that are being obnoxious on other threads, and it's like that's that's what they enjoy. Like they get mm-hmm. meaning in life by being a troll on blackjack forums and okay, that's fine, but I'm not going to engage with them. Um, And,
1: Yeah. If you've got a good reputation, it it should, you don't need to defend yourself a lot, I guess. I had ultimate respect for you when maybe a month or two ago, when somebody had a, on on the BGA forum posted that blackjack apprenticeship is a scam. Oh yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And I I I commented on there, I said, just the fact that he even lets this be on his site, you know, and I don't know if it, it got taken down, taken down eventually.
0: No, no. Uh, it actually was, that was a really interesting story. This guy, he wrote that thing and, and because I know that there's enough clout in our in the BJ community. Like I don't have to panic about that and take it down. It's like, I know it's not a scam. And so I right. left it up Nichols who, who helps moderate the forum mm-hmm. and, and answer some emails for blackjack apprenticeship. He'd tried to contact this guy like a dozen times and I'd reached out to him, you know, multiple times. Finally, he keeps sending these emails saying no one will get back to me. And it's like, he's not getting our emails for some reason. And right. he clearly didn't even try to go on the forum again. Oh, that's right. He couldn't get back on the forum because he said it was a scam. So, so we're like, okay, we'll just like refund his membership if he feels that way. Me, so he refunded his membership, but that meant he couldn't get back on the forum. And so it's no one can get a hold of him. And so I sent him an email from my personal email account, mm-hmm. thinking this is my last try next. I'm going to write him a letter, like pen and paper, and mail it to him because that's the only way I know how to get a hold of this guy. Not because I need to, but just because, like, what a bummer, you know? Yeah. And he finally got the email when I sent from my personal email address. I got his phone number. I talked to him. And now he's like, oh, I just wasn't getting your emails. I'm so sorry. And can I come to a boot camp and can and can you please restore my membership? And he like wow. he rejoined BJA. So all's well that ends well. But sometimes it's just misunderstanding. And other people, you know, they want someone to dislike. I some of it too is uh card counting is it it's like countercultural, right? It's mm-hmm. it's like you're against the man. And I think because BJA has grown, um, which my goal wasn't to like, you know, try to saturate the market. It was just, you know, if you're gonna do something, do it well. If you're gonna do YouTube, there is like Scammers on YouTube doing better than me. I was like, okay, I'm gonna up my game, you right. know. So anyway, because BJ has grown, some people they it's like they're punk rock. They don't like the man, and BJ in their mind is the man or something.
1: Yeah, we America in general has a bad habit of building their heroes up and then knocking them down. Yeah, the bands that people like, yeah, they gain popularity. All of a sudden, it's not cool to like them anymore. Exactly. They're, yeah, they're sellouts or whatever. Like whatever. Yeah,
0: there yeah. was a time where BJ was this little guy that some people talked about about. Cause like, who are these guys, you know? And then mm-hmm. as it grew now, it's like, Oh, you know, they're, they're the machine. Let's hate them for being the machine. And it's like, you can't really like what I tell myself every day is I want to add value to our members. And if I focus on that, it'll be fine. Some people won't like me. Some people will, whatever. I can't, I can't imagine what it's like for people that are influencers because yeah. they, they must like live and die every day by people liking them or not liking them. That that would be tough. But if it's like, Hey, I just want to add value, you know, like you're doing with your podcast or I'm trying mm-hmm. to do with BJ you focus on adding value to those people
1: trying to restore my community
0: you know you don't have to worry about all the
1: all the trolls or whatever that's what i do too do
0: i wonder like in the history of trolls has anyone changed their you know their mind probably probably not often I might have to use that on a troll sometime.
1: Um, <laughs> That's a good question. Where do you see the future of not just BGA, but yeah, let's let's do that first. Where do you see the future of BGA going? What's your um, like, five-year plan from here on? Yeah,
0: well, it's been probably two years now and I it's, it's the same I see for the future. Like there was a time where I was trying to, you know, if someone Googled card counting, that it, to me, man, when I started working on Blackjack Apprenticeship, if you Googled card counting, it'd be these awful, totally mm-hmm. spammy websites They're trying to get you to gamble online, and so at the time it was like, okay, if someone's going to Google card counting, it should be us, not not these, you know, jokers. And so I'd work hard on it. I'd write really good content take good pictures or put a good video on the page and whatever like what they call search engine optimization and then it was kind of same with YouTube there's there's a scammer guy that I remember he had like 50,000 subscribers and I had six yeah yeah okay (laughs) yeah that guy exactly and people are like oh my gosh this guy's you know putting all this misinformation out there and it was like well we've got 6,000 subscribers after 10 years or something like that eight years it was like maybe I need to try harder on it and so my point is there was you know Know maybe five years where it was like oh how do I grow people's awareness of blackjack apprenticeship while also you know having good videos a good forum good training drills and then it really shifted a couple years ago where it's like you know the world doesn't need exponentially more card counters there's what I really want to do is focus on our existing members like making our membership as valuable as possible so Mm -hmm. that those people you know the people that do join get as valuable of a product and something that they're going to want not just one year but you know year after year the resources that a card counter is going to need and so that's been the focus and you know the software development and improving videos and and uh all the chat room stuff like that that we've added and that's that's kind of the ongoing focus like I put out a YouTube video a month a podcast a month other than that it's uh focusing on the members and and seeing you know I saw these inspiring uh quotes yesterday about community it it was like it was in a bathroom urinal they had, they had like what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, so you take a picture. I, I did. And I probably looked like a weirdo <laughs> yeah, yeah. taking a picture. Turn the but, flash, but... the flash was off. <laughs> yeah. It, it was one of those things where it's like, um, fun facts, you know? So they had this list of fun, fun facts to read while you're So this is like
1: at... something, Oh, something that the the establishment so, put up, not that somebody wrote yeah. on the wall with a Sharpie. No, okay. no,
0: no, <laughs> no, no. So it was
1: a church bathroom that I was at
0: um, oh, and, okay. and it was talking about community. It was all these like facts, these statistics or whatever about community. And I'm sure the church is like, so, you know, be, be more involved at our church. But, but it, of course it made me think about blackjack apprenticeship. It was talking about people find more meaning, have less depression, you know, uh, all, all sorts of things about community. To me, that's the stuff that I get most excited about because I know what it's like being out there, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I've always been a part of a team other than my first two months, which were like super lonely. Um, so yeah, that, that's kind of my goal for BJ moving forward and, and to really like, you know, the game evolves. How do we help people evolve with it? Right.
1: Yeah. I, I see immense value in the pro betting software and the chat app you guys made is really great for net- networking, especially for newer people on there. I, I get on the, the, the PNW chat yeah. more often than the main chat. Cause there's yeah. people that ask me questions specific to the Area and I can answer them. And there's so quite a few good people on like Gus 45. Yes, uh, Socrates is on there quite a bit. Um, other people that people know, you know, that, yeah, uh, know, know their handle. That's been
0: really cool. That's, that's why we, you know, decided to develop that is really for the regional chats more than anything. I mean, we also do, you can't see them, but we have these like private chats for people attending a bootcamp. Um, but, but the regional chats, like the PNW one, that's been really fun. Uh, that one's rocking and like Gus45, he texted me something a few weeks ago and I was like, dude, join the PNW chat room. This would be, you know, like I'm not at every casino. <laughs> but there's gotta right. be someone that that could, and he, he sent me another, you know, so he joined and he's been really active and he was texting me yesterday and saying like, Hey, this is really cool. Having this chat room. It's been really helpful. It's it's fun to, you know, sometimes we create something and it bombs. Other times we
1: develop something or, or try something and it works. And that one I'm, I've been really happy with. Yeah. It's like a real time. The forum has always been a great, for me, the best added value of the website, but the, the chat software has been like a real time, you know, a forum in real time. Cause you know, you put a forum post up or, or you comment and it, you might take a day or two before you have enough feedback to read something, uh, at least my, my post, but there you put type something in and somebody's going to respond. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And usually if I was going within minutes, depending on the time of day.
0: Yeah. If, if I was going on a trip to, you know, San Diego or something, I'd like hop in there and, you know, two weeks ahead of time and, and keep my finger on the pulse and then find out a couple people, you know, to ask, Hey, where should I avoid or whatever? And those are things, if you put that yep. on the main forum, you're probably not going to get a reply because it's, it's too public. It's too many people, but that's the idea with the the
1: regional chat rooms. Speaking of too public, uh, I've had people ask me, email me, send a text or call into my text voicemail line and ask me if they think not just BGA for the BGA foreign specifically, but like Reddit and you know, all the other channels that people can communicate. People have asked me, do you, do you think there's probably some lurkers in there? (sighs) I mean, it's it's impossible. I've never talked
0: to someone that's like, hey, just so you know, uh, you know, while I was working surveillance, I had a membership to site just to find people. Uh, I think this is what uh, T. Dane told me several years ago. T. Dane, uh, he's worked. Um, he wrote Behind the Black Dome and he's worked in surveillance in Vegas and actually around the world for years. He's he's really, really sharp. He said, you know, the the surveillance director isn't going to approve that purchase. So someone would be spending their own money to do it. And most surveillance people just aren't that dedicated. They're going to spend their own money. Um there I have talked to surveillance people that their dream is to not be working surveillance and be to be an advanced player. And so, mm-hmm. you know, they might buy a membership to learn themselves, but, you know, Unless the casinos are saying, Hey, let's spend the money to get a membership to try to figure out from this person's like funny, you know, fake picture and made up name who they are. I, I don't think they're going to, they're going to bother. Maybe in free forums, they might because it's no, no cost, no effort. But regardless, I tell people be smart. You know, don't use your real name. Don't use your real picture unless you're me and you're kind of yeah. not worried about it. Don't share like, Hey, I'm going to be in this casino at this time with this amount of money. Like just be smart. And, you know, there's not much to worry about. When we were doing the church team early on, uh, it was when MySpace was really popular. Yeah. And apparently some, uh, surveillance people would Facebook friend someone that was on our team or MySpace Or or MySpace friend or whatever. And then they would see all the other connections, be like, okay, so this guy that came in here, you did your top, you had your top
1: 100 or whatever, top 10, right? Yeah. 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 And, Yeah. (laughs) And, and we had it
0: totally, you know, not locked down. And so once we found out about that, it was like, okay, everybody lock your Facebook, lock your, Everything, you know, only approve people that you know who they are. Uh, yeah. Otherwise, you know, create a separate account for this stuff. Yeah, they're like, these guys are freaking I idiot. mean, we're, well, we were <laughs> freaking idiots, you know, but it was like the beginning of social media and we're 24 years old and, you know, just kind of felt invincible. Yeah, that's funny, man. I'm already database anyway, so I don't know. What to <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Which is it? Yeah, there? that's, is that's, it? that's, that's the other thing. That's the other thing people, you know, they think, well, once, a casino knows who I am, it's over, you know. Um, here's two things I'll share. I've had connections at various times over the years with with someone that can, you know, find out if someone's databased. Mm-hmm. And 90% of the time the person that's worried that they're databased isn't. Mm-hmm. So people are, are overly paranoid that they are. But the other the other thing is that ninety nine percent of the, you know, serious APs, at least card counters I know, are data and, you know, we're still making money. We're still playing. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be more resistance than if no casino knew who you are. But, um, you know, if, if you want to do this job, you got to be okay with some resistance and pushing through it.
1: Yeah, that's kind of the fun of it for me. Um, I actually enjoy the back and forth cat and mouse game. Yeah, My buddy, the snowman, I don't know if you've heard that interview yeah. with him there uh-huh. or not, but uh, he, he hates that part of it. Like, hates oh, yeah. It. Mm-hmm. Like dreads it. You can see anxiety coming up. Just, just welling up in him. But I, I like it.
0: Yeah. Well, you're clearly good at it. The, you know, you're still, you know, doing this after a number of years and and uh, just from conversations we've had, you've got creativity and, and had some inspiring things I've heard from, from you of what you've done. I'm like, damn, that was smart. Yeah, we're lucky. <laughs> so Man, you know. speaking speaking of the cat and mouse game, I was using A buddy of mine as a spotter, so that I could just play more shoes because they they had a lot of a lot of shoe games. And so he he would be you know playing minimum and then signal me when it went positive, and I'd be back counting at the same time, trying to find my own positive counts. And then finally, I mean, I probably played this casino 200 hours, and they Mm -hmm. I think it was because I was using a spotter. They figured it out and they back back both of us off, read us the trespass act, Mm -hmm. and I'm like, hey, don't sign anything. We're just gonna leave. And you know, I'm like pretty cool because it's happened to me enough times before. I'm bummed that I can't play this place anymore, but my buddy is like freaking out. You know, like his hands are shaking and he drove us, you know, we get to his car, we get in the car. He's like speeding to the end of the parking lot and he doesn't even look before exiting the parking lot, turns and gets T-boned. A oh, car no. 'Cause he was so freaked out about getting trespassed. So um needless to say, I think that was the less the last, you know, card counting he did. He just didn't really have the the personality for, you know, the cat and mouse game part of it.
1: Yeah, that's wow. Every, nobody was hurt, just the car no, the car. no. Yeah, just just uh,
0: just the uh, ninety six Honda Accord was not in in the same shape, but, uh, but yeah, you know, wow. I, I mean, like some people live for the conflict. Some people I would, I would put myself in the category of like, I don't like it, but whatever. And, and then some people just can't, you know, can't handle it. So this next segment
1: is going to be some Q and a questions from the listeners. So the first question for you, it's from a guy named Madigan Jack. He says, "I would be interested in any comments from Colin about the differences between BGA basic strategy charts versus the other charts he sure. finds other places like Wizard of Odds." Yeah. I,
0: um, well, right. yeah. There's we we had a decision to make. With blackjack apprenticeship, it's funny because man, we've, we like circle back around to this every, every year or two, but we used to have two charts. We had a hit 17 and a stand 17 chart. And you know, wizard of odds might have a single deck, a double deck and a, you know, four to eight deck chart for both stand 17 and hit 17. But the problem is then you spend all your time trying to figure out which chart to learn. And you get people, you know, uh, I'm really about the keep it simple, stupid, you know, which is what Ian Anderson said in, in, uh, burning the tables in Las Vegas. Like don't overcomplicate it. You're going to move. If you're serious about this, you're going to move on from basic strategy, you know, shortly after getting counting down. So just learn the one chart. And, and, uh, I mean, I, I remember at the time that we made the decision to go from multiple charts to one chart. I asked Richard Munchkin and I asked, uh, Mr. Yuck, who's won like the blackjack ball, Mm -hmm. war. I I asked some really smart people and they're like, yeah, that makes sense. Like one chart. And like I said, we'll come back around and be like, oh, is it time to add multiple charts? We always come back to, no, it's better to keep it simple. Have people learn one basic strategy chart. That's like, you know, it's not like you're making massive mistakes. If you happen to be playing a stand 17 game you know, it's like there's a couple things that will be solved when you get to deviations. Um, right. But the idea is make basic strategy easy to learn, learn how to count, and then add deviations that are going to correct any of those, you know, like stand or hit specific decisions is going to correct it when you learn the deviations.
1: Yeah, because if you make two mistakes, especially when people are new, two mistakes an hour, you're losing your edge. So, yeah. I mean... If you have all these complicated charts to learn, and you're you're playing the wrong chart, or you screw up this, it's. I totally agree with you. It's it's easy just to learn one thing, and then, like you said, the deviations will clean up any of the lost EV. Yeah, which it's is very minimal it's, anyway.
0: Yeah, it's not that you your that our charts are are wrong. It's like you know eleven versus versus ace. Well, CN seventeen. You know, you wait for a true one to double or or whatever. Right. But um, just learn the one chart, move on. If you don't like that, then use the
1: Wizard of Odds charts right learn all of them yeah (laughs) i will i will say though a little caveat to this i completely agree with your composite strategy on the um the charts and the the keep it simple idea but single deck is the one if you're in an area first of all if you're not going to be around any good single playable single deck games like if, if you do have single decks but they're all even money or six to five it's not even worth your time well in general if, but if you are in an area where you're exposed to good single deck games, I would say definitely learn the single deck basic strategy because they, sure. there, is, there is differences that are worth, um, you know, like 14 versus 7, that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, you know. Yeah, that's right. A yeah, weird, yeah. A little weird, kind of fun. It's a fun little topic to geek out about with somebody uh, who's into this. Yeah,
0: Nichols, Nichols will talk about that stuff. The, uh, um, what's it called? Composition dependent basic strategy. Yeah.
1: Yep. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Next question comes from somebody named Firestarter Artichoke. (laughs) They say, would you suggest playing rated or unrated, someone who has a pretty clean name, and how would you make use of an international passport or identity card?
0: Yeah, this is like the, the, you know, oldest debate among... Card counters. I, there's some assumptions you got to make. I'm, I'm assuming that you're counting cards, and I'm assuming you're doing it for profit. Um, right. If if you're you know doing a uh, playing video poker or something, then definitely play rated. If you're playing, if you're counting cards for the comps and you're using like a one to three, one to four bet spread, play rated. But if you're you know counting cards for the money, there's rarely is it worth it. I guess if you've got a local place that it's really going to be the the approach you use is they know you. You could play rated, but I would say 99% of the time you're better off with them not having your name. And then it could benefit you down the road. If there's an opportunity, having a clean name helps you out. Now I've, I've done both. I've played rated lots of places. Now I almost exclusively play unrated. I mean, I can't think of the last time I played rated. Been a long time. Generally, the benefit of like the free meal or the hotel room doesn't outweigh the the downside of you know if you get database they they know who you are. Like we said before, you can still play if you're database, but it's convenient to not be. And there might be an advantage play opportunity where it's really helpful to have your name clean.
1: Yeah, there and there there will be in Richard Munchkin. Uh, yeah, I've heard him say several times that he always asks people when he has card counters on the show on their on gambling with an edge. What's the one thing they wish they did differently when they first started out? And he said almost all of them say that they protected their ID. He said not one guy has said, "Oh, I, I wish I, I wish I got comps sooner." Yeah, <laughs> I wish I yeah. played rated sooner. So it's true. It's true. It's pretty true. Yeah, but I mean, there are places where I play rated because a they know me back from before I was an AP anyway and i and I use them as a compostle place yeah. There's- And Mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm, I know that they don't fly her out. Yeah. So use your network. I would say use your network to find, if you're going to place a place that's rated, definitely don't play at a chain place rated. If you're going to, if you plan on, you know, playing there at any other, the other properties, but if it's a one-off joint and your network tells you that they don't, they don't database, then you got to kind of make your own decision there. You know, some sometimes I, there's a place that I play that's like two hours from my house but there's a property that's a half an hour away from there that has a much better game. But I, I give this one place a little action and they give me free rooms. And so I stay there and go play at the other place. And there's, there's things like that, you know? Um, But you definitely, and the, the really hard part about it is I think is that when you're red chipping and starting out building a bankroll, the free rooms and the free food, all the other stuff that comes with it are, you know, know, free play, all that kind of stuff seems way more attractive when you're down the road. You don't even, Mm -hmm. it's just, you don't even think about that stuff. It's just part of business expense if you got to get a room or whatever you have to do. So yeah. that's the hard part is that when you're, you're red chipping, trying to build your bankroll, you, you really it's tempting to, to want to play rated. I don't know. And also some guys, if they're starting out young, they almost have to play rated because they're going to get demanded ID just because they're age. Uh, you know, so I don't know. It is a it is a old it's a age old uh, argument, rated versus unrated for sure. Yeah. Okay. So DM Ryska says, given how many aspiring counters you interact with through BGA, what common traits do the ones who you see find success tend to share? That's
0: yeah. I like that question. Um, there, someone has to be optimistic enough that that they're gonna like weather the storm, but they can't be so optimistic that they're head in the clouds. Yeah. Um, right. You know. it it takes a lot of work to master the skills and it takes a lot of discipline to control your bankroll. And it takes a lot of emotional fortitude to to do this job. And um, someone that's got those characteristics, disciplined, you know, um, like disciplined to actually master the skills, disciplined to actually, you know, manage their bankroll and the emotional fortitude to say, I'm gonna have winning streaks of you know 100, 200 hours, and I'm gonna have losing streak not losing, but you know Mm -hmm. 100, 200 hours between all time highs. Maybe you know maybe longer. It can happen. That's that's the kind of person it's gonna take. It really helps if that person like has some people skills because networking is valuable, or even just how you carry yourself in a casino. But I think the biggest things is yeah like optimistic enough to to say yeah this this can work and I'll stick with it but not not like oh I'm going to you know make a million dollars in the next year playing the mm-hmm. game for fun and it's going to be super enjoyable you know like there yeah. are people that just have way too high of expectations and then other people that don't uh, aren't optimistic enough to like make
1: see it through right they they set them, they both of those situations, they'll, they're setting themselves up to fail. Yeah. Big time. Unless things go absolutely perfect. And,
0: and it's not going to forever.
1: Yeah, that's right. See fish dog X kind of adds how quickly you can spot the people who just are going to wash out.
0: Um, yeah, I, I think, um, that usually I can tell if someone has, has like put time into their game. Um, and a lot of people, they, Convince themselves that they are going to do this, but you can tell they they haven't really worked on yeah. their game very hard. And uh, you know, they might shock me that they're they're surprised that they have to work a lot harder, and they actually do it. They work a lot harder. But I think a lot of those people, they get the itch to play before their game yeah. is ready. Or you know, sometimes I'll have a conversation with someone. This happened at, at at a boot camp that like we're talking bankroll management, and someone just wouldn't grasp that that they're over betting. They just weren't willing to grasp it. And it's like, wow. well, okay. Uh, I either won't hear from them again, or I'll hear from them when, you know,
1: <laughs> they say they're taking a break or they're done. Um, yeah. So over betting's huge for sure. DM Rizkas asks another question. He says, do you still occasionally play despite being a well-known advantage player? If so, how do you approach it differently than someone just starting out? Yeah, I, I don't play much. Um, You know, like I've, I've
0: played very little since, since COVID and it's not, I mean, it's just, there haven't been tons of casinos uh, open and they have been open, but you know, I I guess I played less since COVID and even before then, you know, maybe 50 to a hundred hours a year, um, usually Mm -hmm. in spurts, like I'll, you know, get a, you know, wild hair to, to go play a whole bunch and go on a trip. But, uh, how is it different? I mean, it's not that different, um, than, than before, um, it's, it's still blackjack and, you know, it's fun when I'm doing it, but I've got other things. I think it's hard for people. It's like, oh, well, if you can do this thing, why don't you always want to do it? And, you know, you see people walk away from, from sports when they're still, you know, yeah, they could, they could play a couple more seasons, but I think, you know, I've got, I've, I've played a lot of blackjack over the years and, and uh, I've got a, a lot of young kids and, you know, uh, it's not the most important thing for me to be out there playing casinos, but sometimes I you know, want to see what it's like out there and, and play a bit. And it's fun to see still blackjack.
1: Yeah. It's, it's changed quite a bit in the last year and a half, two years, for sure. Just the I,
0: ironically, I, I haven't had a lot of backoffs, um, in the last few years. And I think it's just cause I'm not betting, you know, probably mm-hmm. not betting above two spots of two or $300, uh, keeping it in the like hundred dollar an hour EV range. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's, easier to fly, fly under the radar betting like that. If, if you know how to carry yourself, you know, and a mask, a mask
1: helps too. (laughs) Yeah.
0: I even mean before masks, you know? Um, Right. And, and I, I think people would think that every casino would recognize me, but they don't, you know, sometimes a player recognizes me. um, But I can't think of a casino that's like, Hey, Colin Jones, you're not welcome here. um, You know, in the last like four years,
1: do they do any of the players that you ever fanboy out on you? (laughs) <laughs> uh I had a guy in a bathroom. Bro, look at this dude! <laughs> no, 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 no! <laughs>
0: like, approached me, and I was like, "Whoa, this weird. is a little, a little, <laughs> yeah. a little weird." Like, let me wash my hands first. Um, that is the AP's <laughs> office, right? <laughs> it is true. It's true. Um, but um, like. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, are you the guy from the videos or, or, or whatever? Um, I had okay, a deal. I, I, talking about? <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, I had a dealer recognize me. Uh, I told this story on gambling with an edge, but, but he was, it was like, right. It was like the last hand of, of his shift. And he's like, just want you to know, I recognize you, even though I had a mask on, you know, he's mm-hmm. like, I recognize you and I'm a member. And so that was cool. He had a, and so then he sent me a private message through blackjack apprenticeship um that night. Um and, and then there was there was a guy once that this is this was the the only awkward real awkward encounter. Um but we're playing the same table and it was like we both raise our bets at the exact same time. And so both of us it's like, oh great, you know yeah. we both know what we're doing. And uh so he says something like um, oh are you with Colin and those guys? Yeah and I was yeah, like yeah. I was like Yeah yeah I've told this story before. And, uh, and, uh, I was like, yep. And he's, he's like, oh, you look like you'd be with Colin and those guys. I was like, yeah, I am. I am Colin. And he was like, what? Oh. And so then he started kind of freaking out and followed me away from the table and, and, you know, talks to me for a couple of minutes. And then he goes back and he shows the pit boss blackjack apprenticeship, my picture on there and starts pointing at me. Like he ratted me out to the casino, Wow. um, which I don't know why someone would do that, but he did. And, know then the, pit boss, <laughs> and the, the, the pit boss didn't care. So, uh, it, it worked out. Okay.
1: In the end, that's crazy. <laughs> I love it. I don't think I've heard this story before. I was just saying, okay. I know that I know that, uh, that I hear it all the time. A uh, little, little, uh, dog whistle, however you want to say it. Uh, <laughs> that people will say, Hey, do you know a guy named Colin <laughs> to yeah. kind of signify that, it were BGA members type thing, you know? Yeah. I think he's like, isn't, what's that?
0: I think he just thought, Oh, you fit, you fit the, the mold that you'd be with those guys or cause this was an older guy, you know, more of an mm-hmm. um, old, old school card counter. And, and, uh, but then yeah. he got excited. with was me. I don't know why he would like, maybe thought I was going to ruin his local shop or something, but uh, you know, the, the pit boss was, was cool with me. And I was only there for the rest of that day and, All's well, I guess it ends well, but I was like, yeah,
1: never read out another AP. I don't know why you would do that. Yeah, that's not cool, dude. If you're hearing this, (laughs) unsubscribe. (laughs) But anyway, um, okay, so Beach Surfer asked, how many hours do you think it would take practicing blackjack for someone to be proficient enough to make money at it? 200, 400 hours? Yeah. It's going to vary, but go ahead. It's going to
0: vary. Like I've... We've always said the 200 hour number, and I, a couple times I've asked people to actually track their training, and it sounds pretty accurate. You know, um, it's going to be a hundred hours to be like okay, uh, but not not a not perfect, not a winning player. Another hundred hours, but I think that's what really frustrates people is you can kid yourself after a hundred hours and be like, oh yeah, I can do it, but you can't do it perfectly all the time. Um, and, and you have to just keep grinding until you really can, you know, so I, I, yeah, I think 200 hours, may, maybe more depending on the person. Um, I don't think it's going to take a whole lot less. We had a guy that joined the church team and he is like getting his master's degree in like Marine biology or something. And he's like, Oh, I'm going to test out in two weeks. No, he didn't. Like he took just as long as everybody else, you know, cause it just takes a certain number of reps to get it
1: all down. Yeah. The. Yeah. And that's your Sheldon from Big Bane theory um probably going to take you at least 200 hours right yeah so yeah. the next question is from plus musician 7352 he says in your latest video you mentioned having to kick half the players off your team for their playing mistakes even though these players passed a test out initially what kind of mistakes were they making that got them kicked out basic strategy counting betting mistakes etc and you kind of sort of mentioned this earlier when you were going over your yeah background to but not specifically what mistakes they were making
0: well it yeah that that's maybe, maybe I didn't communicate, you know, with the YouTube videos, I keep it short, but, um, it wasn't like, Hey, you made a basic strategy mistake. You're fired. It it was like yeah. you, you analyze someone's game and it was this combination of like, okay, basically like, do we believe this person has what it takes to be an asset to the team? Um, you know, and Some people were trying to like go to Vegas for two days, once a month, generate a a ton of EV, but it's not like the amount of training you'd have to do to be really sharp playing super high stakes in Vegas two days a month. You know, it's going to be a ton of training. That person Mm -hmm. wasn't a good fit for the team. And then people that, you know, had been like trying to test out, or maybe they like initially passed a test out. It, like so, some people could kind of luck into passing a test out if we gave them enough tries. They just happened. to. And the, I even said in the video, like our standards were, were a little low. There, there'd be someone that flew out to, you know, test out and we're feeling bad for them. So we're pulling an all nighter to see if they could play, you know, enough shoes perfectly where we're like, hey, you passed. But then they come back six months later, we test them again. It's like, no, they they can't. You know, you need someone that can just do it every shoe. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we realized, you know, some of these people can't do it every shoe and we can't trust that, that they're an asset to the team. And so we, we let them go, but it wasn't like, um, you know, there could be someone that we knew they were an amazing player and they missed a deviation and it's like, okay, well, you got to clean that up, you know, sure. but there are other people where it's like, yeah, the great person, but we need a team that is
1: all people that we can totally trust with, with the money we're, you know, handing them. I still get tested out by people that I trust every like once a year or something like that. Just to.
0: I love it. I mean, I love that. People need to hear that. Uh, I think a lot of people are afraid of having their game analyzed because they don't
1: want to know if they're making mistakes Mm -hmm. and a true pro should be okay with it. Yeah. uh, My whole thing is I rather because, you know, we're human. We're going to develop bad habits and. Yeah leaks and um i rather have somebody else point it out to me and be humble than yeah. see my ev and ev av and ev in my chart going way off then i investigate yeah. hey, what's going on here and figuring it out on my own i rather do it before that happens you know yeah just, just to keep sharp and you know i still pull a deck of cards out when i am watching tv or something Just go through yeah. go through them and you know count them down or i deal to myself you know all those things and use your app um yeah
0: Yeah. I tell people like if I were to start a team again, part of the ethos is, yeah, we're humble and we don't mind like being tested at any time. It's not, it's not this, you know, like let's find out who sucks and who's good. It's like, no, we want to be the best. And, you know, can you imagine if like a professional athlete is like, no, I don't want to find
1: out if I'm, if I'm good at this. You know, they're like, yeah, absolutely, of course I do because I want to be the best. And somebody like Tom Brady, I'm sure he yeah. has coaches telling him, hey, dude, you're doing this, you're doing that. You know, you're putting too much weight in your back foot or whatever. Yeah. And the reason he's still playing at 44 or whatever is probably because he listened to people. Yes. You know, I mean, maybe he's just just great or made a deal with no. the devil. I don't know what's going on. With no, that, no, that that, but, that guy, yeah, yeah. he has got
0: trainers and he meets with like quarterbacks quarterback gurus in the off season right. like he always
1: wants to get better and i i love that ethos he's like tommy highland level pro athlete right if you know for somebody 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 way up there and he's yeah. still humble enough to like you said take advice from from other people who haven't accomplished nearly what he accomplished yeah. but enough they have enough knowledge that he respects what they're saying but you know i i, I love that ethos too that that's a very good way to be. That's how I try to be. And I'm not perfect either. Sometimes, you know, I let my pride get in the way, but I try to be humble. I think that's very key. Yeah. Because if you don't, if you're not humble, this game will humble you. Yeah, it sure will. So the next question is from a guy named Beginner Matter 276. He asks a few questions here. The first one is, what are some tips for building a bankroll if you have a small bankroll and no real way of saving extra money to start out with a better bankroll?
0: Yeah, I mean, um, saving. (laughs) If if you got no way to, to save money, then you know, there. I've known people that did the kind of match play stuff, it depends where you are your region, but there were guys in, in, uh, Washington state that they're like constantly just doing match play circuits. Um, I know there's in Las Vegas, there's like, uh, the Las Vegas advisor, uh, the LVA coupon book or whatever. And there's American casino guide, mm-hmm. but there some of those things you can do. I know, uh, some people are doing the slot hustling thing, depending on where you're at, uh, geographically. Um, but other than that, save some money, you know, Wong in
1: yep. yeah. <laughs> the ball. Yeah. pack your patience and back count
0: yeah, yeah. Uh, or like i don't encourage this but um you know some people they they take a shot it's like you know i've got a thousand bucks and it would take me i don't know i'm, I'm not a big fan of that but um i it think that's kind of the way yeah yeah
1: those guys just Those guys are the aberrations, not the norm, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, if if you want to do
0: this, you need a bankroll and and it it might take patience and saving and, you know, hustling or, or whatever. But those are the only things I can really think of, you know.
1: And I will say this. If you're, cause I've known people who, even if they thought they had like three, $4,000 and they could make a go, you know, on like $5 tables or $10 tables, whatever. And, but then they get there, they're, they're afraid to play the plays they're supposed to play. They're yeah. afraid to buy insurance yeah. because they're, you know, you have, to, if, if you're going to do this, you have to dedicate to bet what you need to bet when you're supposed to bet it and play yeah. how you're supposed to play. Um, yeah. You know,
0: that's something that's, that's bummed me out is the number of people that, that don't understand the betting part, um, and it like I'm I'm at basically in in a couple of months I'm gonna refilm the entire like I don't know some like the first forty videos of our video course because it's it's been like six years and I I understand how to teach people better. And maybe I'm part of the problem that that we didn't emphasize it enough soon enough, but I'll talk to people, they've learned everything and they still haven't figured out how to manage their bankroll or how to bet properly. Um, but you, you need to, like you could be perfect at basic strategy and, and count faster than me and no more deviations than me. But if you don't know Exactly what to bet every hand. Like you're, you're not gonna make it.
1: Yes, because you're only gonna win, you know, what, forty five percent of your hands. Yeah, uh, and the key is to have less money on the table when you lose and more money on the table dramatically and you got, on the table when you win. And you so, got to know the proportions. You got to know like right. what
0: amount of your bankroll you can afford to bet at every true count. That's why you know, like, get cvcx or use our pro betting software. That's why we created it is so that from the bathroom of the casino. It's oh wow the rules are different than I thought they were going to be I need to know exactly yep. what to bet I
1: can't wing it Or you get you're on a 3/4 thousand dollar bankroll you get hammered and lose half your bankroll middle mid session go through and resize right there exactly don't yeah
0: i i did this it was i think it was the last time i played well yeah one of the last times i played blackjack i i showed up at casino and the the deck penetration was worse than i thought it was going to be and i didn't want to be over betting and so I i went to the bathroom and locked myself in a stall for a minute and like resized all my bets so that i wasn't over betting my bankroll and yep
1: if it's, that's what a pro would do. And that's, that's, an, uh, that brings another thing to my mind. Another thing that gets you in trouble is overestimating your EV things like the penetration and even more so rounds per hour. Yeah. Um, so I tend to do like 10% less than I think it's going to be when I do my EV calculations Sure. and that seems to work. So if I think yeah. it's going to be a hundred rounds per hour, I'll put 90 in, and then I get yeah. the EV from that. And then it just seems to balance out all right, so the next question comes from Beginner Matter Two Seven Six. Also asks, have the police ever got involved during any of your accounting sessions?
0: Uh, yeah,
1: um, you know, different parts of
0: the country they'll have a police, aide, like a pol- police officer that's also a gaming agent, and they're usually wearing street clothes, and so you don't really know it till they show you a badge or whatever. We had you know, that's more in the Midwest. I don't, have you ever been at one of those places? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the, the one that comes to mind was, um, Ben and I were on, on a trip. I, I think it was the trip that was like, they like filmed it in Holy Rollers, but we, we go to, uh, Southern California. We're betting the highest stakes I've ever bet. I think we're betting up to, two spots of $3,500. So like $7,000 around just crazy swings, but we're at some casino and the uh, Ben had to CTR. So he gives them his ID and they just take it. They walk off with it and he knows why. It's because you know they're gonna like yeah. scan it and and send it to all the other casinos. So he's like, "Hey, you need to give ID back." And he's like, "I'm calling the cops because you're taking my ID without my permission." So he calls calls 911 and and says like, "Someone took my ID and won't return it to me." He doesn't say it's the casino. And uh, you know whatever. Long story short, they they back us off and and he's he's being kind of confrontational. And I'm like, "Well, it's not, it's not going well for him. They're backing yeah. me off. I'm gonna like try to play you know play it cool." And I'm like joking around with the security guard while they're you know walking me the cage and all that stuff. And they're like, oh, you know, we need your ID. And I I say, no, you know, I'd really rather not. And they're like, you know what? That's fine. And I was like, yes, you know, playing nice worked in my to my Definitely. advantage. So so then we they uh cash us out. They they don't demand my ID. And like we're in the middle of nowhere and I've really had to go to the bathroom. So I was like, Hey, can I use the bathroom first? I thought we're all buddies at this point. And like, yeah, no problem. But while I'm in the bathroom, that cop, a cop shows up. And so no. somehow the casino changed their tune while I'm in the bathroom. The cop shows up. He's like, Hey, you know, who's the problem here? And the, the casino says that I am. And like Ben's already out of there, out of the casino and the cop, uh, they, they tell the cop, they do want my ID. So I don't, my guess is they were just embarrassed that a cop showed up and they changed their tune or whatever. But the cop, he He cuffs me. He takes takes all the money out of my pockets. Uh he gives the casino my ID. He's like, you know, do you have a, you know, a record and I'm like, uh, I of a speeding ticket from like 3 years ago and and yeah. uh, casino scans my ID, all that stuff. He looks me up in their system and my, my name is clean or whatever. And he's asking what I'm doing and I explain it and whatever. And, and by the end of it, I get all my money back. I get my ID back. And as we're walking out of the casino, he's like, Hey, can you teach me how to do this card counting thing? <laughs> so it, it ended okay. Other than the casino, you know, getting whatever they already had my, I was already in the database, but probably a, uh, you know, flyer went out to the local casinos. That's, that's the only thing, you know, with police, I, I'm going to be as courteous and friendly and helpful as possible if it's police. If it's a casino, I might say, no, I'm not going to give you my ID. If it's a cop, yeah. absolutely, I'm giving them my ID. Yeah, because they could... Yeah. Oh, go ahead, sorry. They can yeah, I don't,
1: I don't want this to get worse. <laughs> yeah, yep, absolutely. They. You definitely especially if they're tribal police and you're on tribal, I mean, their work, those cops literally are working for them because the number one in most tribes, the number one generator is that casino yeah. a revenue generator. So that's who pays their salary. Literally. Yep. It's a kind of Fox watching the hen house type thing, but you know, it is what it is. And yeah, that's a funny story. Did, did he end up being a BGA member? <laughs> oh,
0: I, I mean, I doubt it. <laughs> um, but But at least he was, you know, he was cool with us. And we used to um, use, there's a guy, I I shouldn't say his name, but he was a cop, a local cop, and he was a card counter. And we'd use him as a spotter sometimes. And he he would say like, yeah, there's certain casinos in this area I don't play because I'll see people I've arrested in there
1: pretty regularly. I can think of one. The one (laughs) we were talking about earlier, is probably a good spot. I don't know what what area he was a uh, policeman at, but there's lots of criminals on there. I had a guy one time didn't like – this is like oh probably 2004 or something like that. Uh, There used to be – the casino's not there anymore. It was a silver dollar that was in Tacoma right off of 84th. Uh-huh. I don't know if you know. It was in a like a Shiloh Inn or something. It, and anyway, yeah. this is, uh-huh. you know what I'm talking about? I think so. And, and this guy, this gangbanger dude, did not like my play. Oh, and no. he was betting like table max times two spots, like flat betting. And then he kind of, he kind of like said, you better, you, you better play how I play. And he, he motioned to his, to his waistband and I was like, whoa, I did whatever he said. And then I got out of there. Yeah. I, it's not worth Oh it. man. <laughs> so. Yeah. Dude, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> okay, so May Mag Pepper asks He says he's new to card counting. Should he buy CVCX or use the BGA Pro bidding software? Which one's better? What are the mm. differences between them? Do I need both or is one enough? Some people have said that these two software programs give different results, such as Risky Rune calculations and EV, even when the same numbers are entered in. Why would this be?
0: Yeah, um, so which one you need? They, they really, um, I'll start with the differences. It might tell you which. One is is better mm-hmm. for you. CVCX can do a lot of things. It can do different counts. You can put in your own deviations. You can change some of the settings for for how you know accurate your deck estimation is, stuff like that. Uh, you can run your own simulations. It's a Windows based program, and I I talk to some you know quite a few people. Like I have it, I use it at times, so it, it's it's great. But there are also quite a few people that like they never really figure out how to use it. So mm-hmm. the ProBank software is designed. It's really like, keep it simple, stupid ethos that we have, which is like, you know, Hey, if you're going to use high op two with an a side count, you're going to need CVCX. If you're like us and you're using high low and you're using the deviations we do, this will do everything you're going to need it to do. And you can do it from your phone. You can do it. Like I said, casino bathroom, it's going to be a lot easier to use anywhere from any device. As far as differences in numbers, like very small differences. And it has to do with some of the assumptions when you're writing the code. Like, you know, are you dividing to the nearest half deck or full deck or whatever? Mm -hmm. Some some of those things. The bottom line is like your career is not going to end up the exact dollars of either software. You can use either software to manage a risk. If the risk is different, it's going to be very small. You know, like our threshold, like we could have ripped off Norm's numbers, but I wouldn't have felt good about that. So we create our own software from scratch like totally mm-hmm. from scratch. And our threshold is that everything is within a very small margin of, of difference, knowing that there are differences. You know, you could run two simulations in CVCX and get different numbers. So the, the number, you can trust the numbers of, of either software. And it's really going to be... Do you want something that the goal of the ProBang software is it's it, you can use it anywhere. It's, it's like responsive going to work on any device and is part of the membership that has a lot of other valuable things. Or do you want something that is going to be able to do more things, have more bells and whistles, um, but you're going to be using it from a windows, you know, computer and doesn't come with all the other stuff. So, mm-hmm. or, or, or that could also tell you if you want both.
1: Yeah. I would say starting out, if, if money is an issue for you, and you're going to buy the BGA membership anyway, start with... To start with the pro- probating software, and then as you advance and you want it to do more sims, or maybe you want to add a level to count or whatever, do CVCX. It's don't. It's each module is only like eighty bucks, I think. It's been a long time since I bought it. I think it's eighty bucks, or it was when I bought it. Yeah, I think it's like a hundred, but is um, it? it's
0: in that in that range. But but yeah, I think that's probably a good enough answer.
1: Yeah. Okay. So they also ask the casinos within one hour of driving from me only offer shoe games with fifteen hundred dollar minimum. The twenty five minimum tables are all CSM tables. Should I wait till? I have at least 50,000 in bankroll before I play at the shoe table. So the shoe, the shoe games are what minimum? Are 50 to 100. Here's my answer. You got to use bank software
0: to decide. Yeah. You know? Um, so we just talked about CVCX and ProBank software, either of them, you could determine the bankroll size needed, you know, there's creative things you can do to be able to play with a lower bankroll if you can wong in or avoid negative counts, but there's going to be a bankroll size necessary. You know, you can massage the bet spread to try to keep risk lower, but, uh, I'm not going to, I, I don't have enough information. I don't know the deck penetration. I don't know the rules. Um, I don't know if you can wong in. I don't know if you can wong out. Um, so use bank software to make those decisions. Please, please, if you're serious about this, spend the money for some betting software so that you're not like following your heart on whether you can play
1: those tables or not. Exactly. I agree. And it's that's the same person who asked the previous question. And he, cool. has, one, he cool. has one more question. He said, when playing heads up, how necessary it is to play two hands when the true count is high, such as mm. true count of three or three to five. Can a yeah. card counter be successful playing only one hand regardless of yeah. what? Two counties. Yeah, especially heads up. Like
0: I would, I would like to have a better answer to this at, at some point. And Norm, I mean, uh, I'm sorry, Don Schlesinger and I have have emailed about this um, actually quite a bit. But yeah, it's if you're heads up, it's kind of the same thing. If you use one spot or two, but you're not going to use the exact same bet spread. You you can bet 73% on two spots mm-hmm. of what you could afford to bet on one spot but uh, when you're playing heads up if you're playing two spots you're kind of just taking cards from yourself. Uh, the only question in my mind has to do with how fast can you play one spot versus two. My general answer is if you're playing heads up it doesn't really matter. Uh, I, I like sometimes to do the two spot thing because it doesn't look like you're betting as much money. So mm-hmm. if you bet two spots of 100 it doesn't look like as much as one spot of 150 but mathematically
1: it's it's really the same thing. Yeah or if, uh, some, some places that have thresholds say their thresholds five Hundred where they get like a review yeah or something like that. So yep. if you split it by two hands, you're far better off in those situations. It's the same amount of money, but it's that's a good point. Uh, yeah, and plus, it, it, and also, I would also say uh, ask your network what their thresholds are before you go. Network, network, network is so important. Yeah. And that's another huge thing with BGA. Is it's the, probably the best place in my opinion to build a network. Uh, yeah, definitely. Oh, here's here's an easy one. He asked. He asked us if we, for both of us, if we prefer scotch bourbon or something else, I'll say diet coat <laughs> or Mountain Dew.
0: Uh, yeah. If it, um, I like bourbon more than scotch. I, I don't drink, uh, you know, a whole lot, but, um, I, for my 30th birthday, I got, I don't know, five different scotches from Costco, like some quasi expensive ones and had a bunch of friends together and realized I don't really like scotch. It's <laughs> like, Oh man. Uh, just that, whatever the, the peat moss taste, bourbon, it, uh, I like, but uh, like crazy amounts of LaCroix and Spindrift lately.
1: Just keep it keep it stocked in the house at all times. All that sparkling water. Yes. Stay hydrated. I agree. Okay. One more question. It says he comes from an interesting ba- religious background, which includes a Christian based cult. <laughs> mm. And I also have a seminary degree. Mm. And he says, does it feel like there's a correlation between a strict religious background and becoming an AP? Mm-hmm. I think there's something that people
0: that have, or I'm sure there are plenty of people that stay in that strict religious background and don't question a, thing but I think when you've questioned a lot of that stuff you know you're already outside the box in a sense yeah. um cuz be- before I was an advanced player I went to a private Christian school and I was you know the guy like pushing the limits of the dress policy you know we had like a dress code and I was like well how long can my hair be before I'm going to get in trouble mm-hmm. or like yeah. what kind of a tie can I get away with if I have to wear a tie like can I use this you know clip on tie that's like for a newborn, you know, it's a tie, you know, like that was, that was my personality already. And so, you know, and listening to punk rock or or whatever, I don't know, man, I think that, that a lot of the people, I think that Jesus would have been, would have been considered, um, you know, a wild outside the box radical by the, the conservatives in his time. So it really doesn't bother me. He was killed for it. <laughs> so, yeah. He, yeah. he rocked the boat like politically with both like the religious people and the non-religious and, and, yeah. uh, you know, so he, he wasn't like, uh, the, the stiff, um, conservative that, that a lot of stiff conservatives wish he was yeah he parted with the prostitutes and the thieves, right that's um, right, yeah, the tax collector, yeah, like the the mob basically and and the prostitutes were
1: were the people that that he felt comfortable with, like if you're gonna stone stone this this lady, you'd stone me <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. yeah, yeah, like what you use yeah. is gonna
0: throw the first stone, and, and yeah right, all, yeah, they all walk away, yeah.
1: Yeah, anyway, not to get all uh, churchy on there. Anyway, <laughs> thanks for coming on, man, and I know you need to go, so I appreciate it. Yeah, th- thanks for having me on. This was fun. Yeah, it was fun for me too, Colin. Unfortunately, we'll bring this episode of our Experiment Imagine a Radio that we like to call the Tens and Aces Podcast, or TNA for short, to close. And with that, we will see you down the fell. serious about becoming a blackjack advantage player? If that's your plan, then listen to the real pros first. They will tell you to test out and own your skills before risking your starting bankroll. Check out the advantage player refinement program offered exclusively by archimedes21.com. The A21APRP will tell you if you're ready. Until then, look into becoming an investor in Archimedes 21 and start earning right away. For all of your TNA needs, head to tensandaces.com.